Luke chapter number 4. Luke chapter number 4. Appreciate the good singing. And uh, we'll let you know tonight how much we received in the offering for Brother Dave and Sister Donna. And thank you for being faithful in that. Hadn't it been a good service this far? Amen. Pray for me. I don't want to blow it. Amen. So, all right. You don't want to ruin it, but it's the Lord that does it. Luke chapter number 4. Luke chapter number 4. And uh, tonight, Brother Eric Brown will be here, and uh, he'll be preaching for us. And he come down this week. Uh, his daughter Chelsea's with us this morning. And so uh, the rest of them are up in uh, Spring City. And he's preaching for Brother Tim Giddens this, this morning. And so he'll be with us tonight. He had a, his papa passed away. And so he had to come down and preach a funeral uh, yesterday and be there. And so we'll make good on that while he's here. All right. And so he'll preach for us tonight. Do pray for him. And then one week from tomorrow... Uh, we'll begin our revival and uh, pray for our two-week revival. Brother John Morgan will be preaching in the mornings. Uh, we'll sit, I'll announce the time next week or tonight maybe, uh, but we'll get with him on that. He'll be preaching every morning for two weeks. and uh, it's a school, We call it a school revival, but it's really anybody that wants to come. We'll have about 60 or uh, 65 people each morning, and he'll preach. We'll probably have it over here uh, in the sanctuary. And so Brother Morgan will preach each morning. Then Brother Randy Sutherland will preach Monday through Friday next week. And then the second week, Brother Tim Fuller will preach uh, Monday through Friday. And on that second week, the Harris brothers will be here, and they'll be singing the second week. So uh, we'll be using our singers as well. So two weeks. We haven't had a revival since January of last year. So we're, we're due for a good one, isn't that right? And so let's pray. We need God's power. It's not just about having a meeting, but we need the Lord to do something in our homes and in our hearts and in the church. So pray for the revival meeting upcoming, uh, beginning next Monday, a week from this Monday. Uh, Luke chapter number 4, Luke chapter number 4 and verse number 1. The Bible said, Jesus being full of the Holy Ghost returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness being forty days tempted of the devil, and in those days he did eat nothing. And when they were ended, he afterward hungered. And the devil said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, command these stones that it may be made bread. And Jesus answered him, saying, It is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. And the devil, taking him up into a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said unto him, All this power will I give thee, and the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me, and to whomsoever I will, I give it. If thou therefore wilt worship me, and shall be, all shall be thine. And Jesus answered and said unto thee, Get thee behind me, Satan. For it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. And he brought him to Jerusalem and set him on a pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down from hence. For it is written, He shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee. And in their hands shall they bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. And Jesus answering said unto him, it is, it is said that thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And when the, when the devil had ended all the temptation, he departed from him for a season. Father, I pray this morning that you'll bless the reading of thy word. I pray the Holy Spirit would have his way this morning. I ask you, dear God, to do that eternal work that needs to be done. Help us, Lord, to be sensitive. 
I ask, Lord, that if there's someone here that's lost, that today would be their day of salvation. For those that may be backslid and out of your will, God, warm their hearts. Speak to them. I ask you to bind the devil, Lord. Let there be no distractions this morning. And may thy will be done. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. I know that if you're a Bible reader, you're familiar with the story that we've read concerning the temptation of Christ. And when you think about this story this morning, I want you to think about what's taking place in our text. We know that the devil tempts Christ on three different occasions. But when you consider all that is taking place before this story and what's taking place during this story, I think it really puts everything in perspective. What I mean by that is this. In chapter number 3 of the book of Matthew, it also gives the account in Matthew chapter 3 and chapter 4 of what Luke talks about. In Matthew chapter 3, Jesus has been baptized. The Spirit of God has descended upon him and the Father has spoke out of heaven and announced that he is well pleased with his Son. Only to find out that one chapter later, the devil shows up in Jesus' life and comes to tempt him. I want to tell you, it's oftentimes in our life when God blesses us and God uses us that the devil comes calling in our life. And that's where Jesus is at. He has been blessed by the Father in one chapter, and now he's going to be tempted by the devil in the next chapter. And when you think about this this morning, uh, Jesus is really at a crossroads because this text is more than just the temptation of Christ. But it is good versus evil. It is God versus Satan. It's heaven versus hell. And that's what's happening in chapter number four when you think about this. This is a crossroads where Jesus is at. If he makes the wrong decision, it could alter all of eternity. All of humanity could be changed if Jesus was to bow himself down and give place to the devil in this text here. So Christ is at a crossroads. When you think about a crossroads this morning, you're familiar with that. A crossroads is an intersection. Isn't that right? It's a place where two paths meet. When you think about a crossroads, it can be a turning point. And that turning point can be good or it can be bad. I think about in that in my life, and you could testify the same in yours. I think about the different crossroads that we have faced, those turning points in life. When you think about in salvation, that's a good crossroads. Amen. It's where life took on a different direction. That's what a crossroads is. It brings you to a point where you can change the path or the direction you're in, the direction that you're going. Now think about when I got saved. I'm sure I'm glad I got on a different path, aren't you? I'm glad I'm not going in the same direction that I was going before I met the Lord. But then it can also be a very tragic place if you take the wrong path, if you take the wrong detour in life. It can lead you down a path of destruction. You can be lost forever, never to find your way back again. There are many that have come to that crossroads in life. Uh, They didn't heed the warning. They didn't take the caution signs. Uh, They thought that somehow they could just plow their way through and go their own way, only to lead themselves and others down a road of destruction. A crossroads can be a turning point. It can be a tragic place. Uh, But then it can also be a testing place. And that's where it is in our text this morning. Jesus has come to the crossroads of life. Now I want to tell you this morning, there's many crossroads in life. Not just one, but many. And as sure as our Savior faced crossroads in life, you and I will face crossroads in life. 
Young people, you're going to face crossroads in your youth. We're going to face them in our middle age years. And even in our golden years, we face crossroads. Jesus is at the crossroads of life. This is a testing place. God cannot tempt a man with evil. That's what the Bible says. Amen. When you think about it this morning, God will test us, but it's the devil that tempts us. Amen. You say, well, what's the difference between a test and a temptation? A test is God uses that in our life that he might strengthen us spiritually. But when the devil tempts us, he tries to use that in our life to weaken us spiritually. That is the goal here is that the devil has one thing in mind, but God has another thing in mind. Jesus leaves this time of temptation and he passed the test he did what he was supposed to do and verse number 14 said that he left in the power of the spirit amen I want to tell you this morning uh, God knew that Jesus would pass the test uh, and Jesus knew he would pass the test Uh, what was a temptation on the devil's side was a test on God's side God had considered Jesus just like God had considered Job and when we think about this this morning I want to preach on this subject on standing at the crossroads of life. Standing at the crossroads of life. Jesus is standing there. He's standing at a very pivotal point in life. The devil is offering him a temptation. The devil will offer every one of us a temptation. Matters not your age. It doesn't matter who you are. It's not just for young people, but it's for married people. It's for single people. It's for middle-aged people. It's for elderly people. I'm telling you, we face crossroads in life that are pivotal points. I think when you look at this story, three questions comes to my mind about Jesus. Number one, how could Jesus be tempted? Number two, why would Jesus be tempted? And number three, with what? Could Jesus even be tempted with? I mean, those are important questions, aren't they? How could Jesus ever be tempted? He is the Son of God. He's God in the flesh. He's deity. How could Christ ever be tempted? I'll tell you how he could be tempted. Because the Bible says that he was in all points tempted like as we are, yet he was without sin. Jesus faced temptation because it was the will of God. Jesus faced temptation because God allowed it to be so in his life. Jesus, uh, though he was God in the flesh, uh, he was as much man as he was God. And Jesus not only had to conquer sin, but he had to face sin. Amen? He not only took sin away, but he faced the struggle of sin just like you and I have to face the struggle of sin. I want to tell you this morning that Jesus was tempted because he was a man. He was tempted because uh, he was man, uh, uh, God in the flesh, wrapped up in humanity. That's how he could be tempted. He was not a superman, uh, but he was a spirit-filled man of God. How could he be? Why would God allow Jesus to be tempted? He allowed him to be tempted for this reason. So that you and I would know that he really was who he said he was. Jesus is a sinless Savior. Can I get an amen right there? I don't believe Jesus could have sinned because if Jesus could have sinned then, that would mean Jesus could sin right now. He was a sinless and he is the sinless son of God. He was the sinless son of God. He still is the sinless son of God and he always will be the sinless son of God. He's a sinless uh, savior this morning. Jesus could not sin. So why was Jesus tempted to show you and I as an example how that we can overcome sin, how that we can conquer sin in our life uh, and to prove 
proved to us uh, that he wasn't just the Savior, but he was a sinless Savior. You see, I know he's sinless this morning, and you know he's sinless. You know why? Because we read about it right here. He conquered sin in the flesh, uh, and then he washed it away at Calvary with his own blood. Uh, He conquered it in his flesh, uh, but he washed it away in his blood. Uh, Thank God he defeated it on earth. Uh, He defeated it, my friend, while he was living, uh, and then he defeated it when he was dying. Uh, That's why Jesus was tempted. It's because I know uh, he can take my sin away because he overcame it in the power of the Spirit of God. Amen. That's why he was tempted. And then with what could Jesus be tempted with? I think it's the most important part of this whole text here. With what could Jesus be tempted with? The devil gave him three temptations. He said to him, if thou be the son of God, command these stones that they be turned into bread. The devil tempted Jesus here. Uh, listen, uh, uh, with, uh, when you think about it, he, he, Jesus had the ability uh, to turn anything. He multiplied bread. He turned water into wine. He could have turned them stones into bread. You know he could. The devil knew that too. But he tempted him with the will of God because Jesus was fasting. That fasting was to end when God ended that fasting, not when the devil ended it, not when Christ desired it. He was hungry. The Bible said afterward he hungered. He fasted 40 days. The devil waited till the end of that fasting to tempt Jesus. You know, you may do pretty good through your teenage years. You may serve God as a middle-aged man or a middle-aged woman. But don't underestimate the devil. He plays a long story strategic game. He might wait till you're old and gray-headed to bring you down. He waited till the end for Jesus. He tempted him with them stones because he wanted to tempt him to, uh, concerning the will of God. He tempted him. He took him up on that high mountain and gave Jesus a panoramic view uh, of the worlds and the kingdoms that was and that was to come. He let him see it all in the flash of a moment and he tempted him there with the worship of God. He said, if you'll bow down and you'll worship me, he said, I'll give you all the kingdoms. Now think about that. The devil was willing to forfeit all the kingdoms of this world and all in one attempt to get Jesus to worship him. The devil do anything to get you to worship anything other than God. And then the devil used that old tactic of quoting scripture. Put the word of God. He tempted him with the word of God. You know, if the devil cannot get you to be a bad sinner or bad saint, he'll just get you to be a busy saint. He'll take the very word of God and use it to justify some of your own deeds and actions. Have you ever seen people do that? Take the Bible and twist it and turn it to justify what they're doing. We live in a day when people do that. There's a verse for just about anything you want to misuse and abuse and misquote for. But you have to put it in context. and You have to use the whole verse. The devil isn't very good at quoting scripture. You know that he leaves part of this verse out. But Jesus came back to him every time with the word of God. The very living word took the very written word. And, he, and listen, he did battle against Satan. But the, the devil tempted him. Why? Jesus is at this crossroads. Now, here's what I want you to see. Very quickly this morning we'll be done. When you take all three of those temptations and you put them together, you know what it comes down to? Just really one thing. The devil really wanted one thing. He wanted Jesus to do anything other than the will of God. You see, the devil doesn't care which path you take. 
He don't care if it's turning stones into bread. He don't care if it's taking the world. He offered Jesus the world. If he offered Jesus the world, you mark it down, he's going to offer you the world. He don't care if it's turning stones into bread. He doesn't care if it's, if it's taking up the world. He doesn't care if, you, if it's religion within itself. Anything to keep you from doing the one thing. That's the will of God. You see, if you look at these temptations, God was going to take care of Jesus. He was going to feed him. The angels were going to take care of him. Jesus could take care of himself. And Jesus already had the kingdoms. He knew there was a time coming when he would sit upon the throne of David. We know that time's going to come and he'll rule this earth. Uh, and one day, uh, listen, uh, it'll, all the, it'll, he'll, he'll rule this earth with a rod of iron. Uh, we know that he's, uh, he's uh, all powers given to him in heaven and earth, but he didn't say that till after the resurrection. And here's what the devil wanted. He wanted Jesus to have now what God wanted him to have later. I'm going to tell you what the devil wants, young people. He wants you to take up now what God has promised you to have later. Because it's not the will of God. Many times the crossroads of life comes down to two things. Am I going to do God's will or somebody else's will? And when I say somebody else's will, that could be my will, it could be the devil's will, or it could be somebody else's, a friend. You'd be surprised, the people today, that they're, they're turned around by, by people in places. Associations. We live in a society when, when somebody, uh, listen, they, they, they hear something, they see something. If it looks good, well, then it must be the best thing that ever rolled out. Amen? And people so so crazy. I think when the pandemic's over, there'll be people still wearing masks 10 years from now. For whatever reason. They love them. They, they like them. They, hey, if you have to wear a mask, that's okay. I, I don't think there's nothing wrong with that. There's people that need to for their own health. But, but I mean, there's some people, they just, they just love it. And it's whatever rolls out, that's what people follow. I mean, if they come out with, uh, you know, telling you that if, uh, you know, that, that I don't know, some, some crazy something. I can't think of nothing right now. I'm trying. People follow that. Whatever people say, a lot of people believe. I, I don't think you ought to ride that train. Somebody say amen. Well, I watched it on the news. It must be true. Or I read it on the internet. You know that's the truth. Or better that, the most reliable source of today, Facebook. Well, you know that's, that's, happen, that's happening. Somebody told me, I, I won't tell what it is because it's on recording, but I said there's no way. That's possible. But they saw it on Facebook, so they believe it's true. People believe anything today, don't they? You know, the devil's using that, friend. That ask no questions, believe whatever, as if the devil's using that in this hour. Jesus is at a crossroads. I think there's people here this morning, you're at a crossroads in life. You're here this morning and it may be today, it may be tomorrow, but at some point it's going to be decision time. You're going to have to make a choice which way you're going to go, who you're going to follow. It may not be always going off into a life of sin, but it may be something other than God's perfect will for your life. And if you're not careful, you can get really messed up. You see, the devil doesn't care if you get out and get on dope and drugs and all them other things. If you go that route, he'd love that. But listen, he just wants you to not do God's will. For your life. Remember one time God spoke to me and he said, I, I want you to, he, I said, it was the first church I pastored. He said, I want you to resign the church. 
And uh, a great man of God told me, he said, you don't need to leave. He said, you need to stay. You're just discouraged. And he meant well. He was trying to be an encouragement. Sometimes even as preachers we try, but we still miss it, don't we? And I went home that day and I thought, well, he knows more about the will of God than I do. And the Holy Spirit just spoke to me clearly and said, he's got your best interest in mind. But what did I tell you to do? It took me about three weeks to get through that. And I realized, that, you know, there's sometimes in life you can hear no other voice but God's voice. I want to tell you this morning, thank God for counsel. Thank God for encouragement. Jesus overcome the, at the crossroads of life. He made the right decision. You say, how could he do that? Three simple things. I'll give them to you, to you and be done this morning. I want to say, first of all, he overcame, uh, listen, the crossroads of life. He made the right decision. Number one, he did that through the power of the Spirit. And Jesus, look at verse one, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan, was led by the Spirit in the wilderness. Look at verse 14. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee. You realize Jesus did not use his power. When Jesus operated here, he didn't operate in the power of sovereign power or deity within himself. He was the son of God. He could have spoke anything and it would have come to pass. But Jesus chose to operate through the power of the Holy Spirit that he might be an example to every one of us that when the crossroads of life come, if you and I are gonna make the right decision in life, guess what? We're gonna have to be led by the Holy Spirit. I'll tell you what you don't do. You don't wait till you're at a major decision in life to try to get filled with the Holy Ghost. You say, well, preacher, what do you do? You get up every day and you walk in the power of the Spirit. It's not mystical. It's not sensational. You say, well, how does a person walk in the power of the Spirit? Spend time in prayer, read the Word of God, yield to the Lord. Just a simple prayer every morning. God, I can't do anything without, without you today. Lord, I got to go to work this morning, but God, I, I can't be the, the worker that I'm supposed to be, the, the, the employee I'm supposed to be. Lord, if you don't help me today. God, I got children, I got a wife, and, and Lord, if I'm going to be the husband, I'm supposed to be. If I'm going to be the father or the mother, I'm supposed to be. Or the wife, I'm supposed to be. Lord, I need your help this morning. I yield myself to you. Don't let me do anything within my own flesh or my own power. But dear God, lead me, guide me, direct me. Lord, I surrender my will to yours. And whatever you speak, Lord, let me hear that clearly and let me be willing to obey your voice. That's yielding to God. Simple prayer. Simple prayer. Holy Spirit, lead me, guide me. Every prayer, every major prayer that God's ever answered for me, and everybody's not the same, but I'll tell you how he's answered those prayers in my life. Is I've had to say this same thing every time. Lord, if you don't lead me, and if you don't help me, I will surely make the wrong decision. I'm going to tell you, God will come running to that. You don't have to be a preacher to pray that way. But I'll tell you, as a, as a parent, as a, as a spouse, if you'll say, Lord, I really want to be the parent I'm supposed to be. As a church member, oh, I wish to God we could get everybody to pray in that. Lord, I really want to be the church member that I'm supposed to be. 
I don't want to be the singer. Lord, I, I don't want to just get up and try to sound pretty. I don't want to get up and just sing a song. But dear God, I, I really want you to touch my singing. I want it to be filled with power, not to glorify the flesh. But oh God, that you might get glory. God, would you touch my hands? And Lord, it's not about hitting every note. But God, would it be pleasing in your sight? Would it have a spirit on it? Would your spirit on it? Would it have a touch on it? Dear God, would you touch these hands? God, would you touch my voice and God even if I mess up would somehow you get glory out of that it's a difference in singing pretty and singing powerful there's a difference in playing and having a touch on it picking up that instrument and hitting every note and I think you ought to play skillfully but the power of the spirit you need it not to just do great things. I, I used to think that, well, the, we need to be filled with the Holy Ghost because we need to do great things. And I realized, no, we need to be filled with the Holy Ghost just to do ordinary things. Because most of life is ordinary. And the ordinary day of life is where we face the crossroads. I tell you, my wife and I was talking a few days ago. We faced a crucial decision about 12 years ago. The only problem was we didn't know it was a crucial decision. It was a, it was a decision made in just a matter of probably less than 10 seconds. And the only thing we knew at that moment was, well, this is the right thing to do and this is the wrong thing to do and it always pays to do what's right. I haven't always done what's right. I'll tell you, we, we just said, well, we're going to do this. And looking back, it seemed like a small decision, but it had great weight to it. It could have been disaster. He could have affected our children in a way that they may have never recovered from it. It was at a time in their life when it was very crucial. And I don't go through life worrying myself every day about everything. When my children was coming up, I didn't spend, worries of sin, can I get an amen right there? I'm going to tell you, parent, you can spend your life driving yourself crazy and driving everybody else in your household crazy because you're just living in fear and living in worry. You know what that is? It's not operating in the power of the Spirit. You say, well, preacher, there's so many things could happen. There, there's so many things can happen every day. For example, you getting behind that wheel and start somewhere and not get to the top of that hill. Your heart can stop beating right now. There's a thousand worries if you just let them pile up. You say, well, how do you keep from going crazy? You put it all in the hands of God. You put them children. In the, you know, if, if I had my way, knowing what I know now, I would bubble wrap every one of my grandchildren. I mean, I would. I, I'd lock them in a house where, uh, you know, till they were at least 17 years old. That would really warp them, wouldn't it? But I'd feel better. <laughs> You say, what do you do? If put them in the hands of God. You have put them in God's hands every morning. Lord, I pray you bless their, I pray God you'll save them. Lord, I pray you'll keep them from sin and Satan all the days of their life. Help them to serve you all the days of their life. Lord, help them marry in the perfect will of God, their spouse, and love Jesus as much as they'll love Jesus. And Lord, keep them safe throughout the day. I let them not, you know, I let them not fall in a hole somewhere. You know, let them not run in a steel pole. You know, let them not swallow something they're not supposed to swallow. You know, dear Lord, just help them. I mean, just put them in the hands of God. That's what you got to do. Power of the Spirit. You got to get up in the morning time and say, God, I don't know what I'm facing today. 
But in everything I face, will you lead me? Will you guide me? Will you help me not to make some dumb decision? Help me not to lean to my own understanding. The power of the Spirit. You know, you think about that first temptation. It was just stones and bread. But there was more behind it, wasn't there? Then secondly, the power of the Scriptures. Verse 4, verse 8, verse 12. You can read them when you go home. Jesus uses the Word of God every time. And every time Jesus quotes these verses, He's taking the devil back to Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter number 8 and verse number 3, chapter 6 and verse 13, chapter number 10, he takes her, chapter 6 and verse 10, he keeps taking the devil back to the word of God. I'm going to tell you the only way to overcome the devil, the only way to make the right decision at the crossroads of life is by the word of God. Going to church and hearing preaching is good, but it's not enough, friend. You got to stick your nose in that book. You got to read the Word of God every day. You got to let the Word of God dwell in you richly. Memorize the Word of God, or you'll make the wrong decisions in life. You'll make foolish decisions in life. Hey, the Word of God will be your guide, it'll be your roadmap in life. Uh, whenever it comes time to make a decision, what you have put in uh, will come to surface in that hour. But if you don't put anything in, it's not going to help you. I'm always going to remember what the preacher said. But you'll always remember what God said if you put it in there. I was thinking about this this morning. I like devotional books, but, you know, devotional books can be a great blessing. And I, we love them, Brother Green's. We, we always put Brother Green's devotional book out and encourage people. I love devotional books, but I want to tell you something. The best devotional book you're ever going to read is the Bible. Don't let your devotional book take your place of your Bible. That's why I get up and I get my devotion book and that's wonderful. Get it and read it from cover to cover, but read it second. Read the Bible first. Let God speak to you through his word. Let the word of God be your guide. Let it be, thy word is a lamp unto my, a light unto my, lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The entrance of thy word giveth light. If you want to see, if you want to see the right way, if you want to see the right path, uh, you got to saturate yourself in that book. Uh, let the word of God run through your soul. Uh, it'll be there when you need it. If not, uh, you'll not have a sound mind. Have you ever seen people go down a different path? And watch the foolish decisions that they make. Things that they said they would never, ever do. They start doing them. Going places they never going places they used to condemn others for going. You know, I don't really get on the wagon of condemning everybody. I've watched people down through the years come to this church and Maybe they weren't saved, they got saved and gloriously saved and God changed their life and they didn't have no standards, they did not, I mean, they didn't do right, they didn't dress right, they didn't talk right, they didn't think like us, but you know what? Bible's a very gracious, a very compassionate church and we gave them time to room to, room to grow or maybe they come from a more liberal church and they didn't know a lot of things and we gave them time to, and room to grow in the Lord and they grew and what a blessing they were. But then there's a sad day if you're not careful. God starts blessing you and you start growing in the Lord and, you, and, and that's wonderful. He starts knocking the rough edges off of your life and all that's good and you start getting some standards and I'm for, I, you can't have enough standards. I'm for that. Pull it tight and right. But listen, I've watched people down through the years and you have to. They'll come in here and come from some contemporary mess or not even be saved and God will change their life and they'll get about 10 standards and all of a sudden they're more straighter than the rest of us. Amen. Now if that offends you, it's because it hits you. 
all of a sudden they're straighter than we are. And we're not straight, we're crooked, if you want to know the truth. Always leery of people that brag about what they do and don't do. I'm not justifying sin this morning. You hear how quiet it is right now? Hey, I believe in standards. I believe in keeping that haircut over them ears and off that collar. Amen. Y'all passing the test here. You really passing the test, and you too. I like it. I like them. I think you ought to wear a shirt and tie. Is, you know, you don't have to, but I like it. Amen. I mean, let's, we won't talk standards. We can talk them. I believe in them. But if that's all you have, when you come to the crossroads of life, you're not going to pass the test, friend. You better have those standards. You better hold on to them. They better come from the Bible. I'll tell you, I've seen people and what's missing in their life. They think that's enough because I'm doing these things and I'm, that's commendable. But I'm going to tell you, you have to have a personal relationship with God. I'm going to tell you when temptation comes, it's not my convictions and I'm not minimizing them. I hope you know that this morning. It is not my convictions that hold me tight whenever the temptation comes. It's that personal relationship. You say, I don't do some things because I don't want to grieve him. I'm not telling you I've always done right. But I'm telling you that relationship, that walk with God, when the devil comes tempted, you know why Jesus wasn't going to give in to the devil? He wasn't going to interrupt. He had a desire to do the will of God. It was about God, about pleasing the Father. It was about the Father's will. It was a personal relationship, a bond that was so strong that the devil couldn't offer him anything. All the kingdoms of this world meant nothing to Jesus when it came to his relationship with the Father. And that relationship with God It'll keep it right. It'll keep it tight. It'll keep you on the right pathway. But it'll help you in the crossroads of life. Many of them have crumbled and faltered and failed because while they had standards from the Bible, they didn't have a, they didn't have a daily walk in the Word of God. Then I want to say lastly, not only the power of the Spirit, not only the, the power of the Scriptures, but he overcame the crossroads of life because of the pleasure of service. Jesus said in verse number 8, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and notice this, and Him only, and Him only shalt thou serve. Jesus was determined to do the will of God. And He would not be deterred by anything in life because He was determined to do God's will. I want to ask you a question this morning. Whose will are you determined to do? God's will, your will, somebody else's will. Do you let others determine how you live your life, what you're going to do? Are you a follower? Stop that if you are. Get under the right leadership and follow the leadership that follows the word of God. But don't just follow everything that comes along. Don't follow charisma. Follow the word of God. You know, as a pastor, I really, I don't, I want people to follow I, you've got to have people follow you as a pastor if you're going to you know, lead. I understand that. But I don't want people to follow me, not that they would anyway. But I want people to follow the Word of God. I want what we do in this church to be because God said it and because God will honor it and God will bless it. One day when it comes time to leave, Brother Daniel, and I retire 
And I take my seat from here to there. I want the church to go on. I want families to go on. I think it's a tragedy when a preacher leaves and people say, oh, what are we going to do? No. It's not about the preacher. It's about God this morning. The pleasure of service. People oftentimes they get bitter and backslid when people do them wrong. Preachers can be worse. We can be worse than anybody. We spend our life serving people. If we're not careful, we'll forget we're really not serving them. We're serving God. And when people don't do the way that we think they should, maybe you have a son or a daughter that you you spent your years providing for them and, and training them and teaching them and you had family altar and you did everything that was right and they just pretty much spit in your face and went another way. Don't get bitter over that. We're not to do what we're doing for others. We're to do all for the glory of God. Jonathan Edwards, in his last sermon to to his church, I read it the other day. It was some kind of a sermon. Because Edwards is preaching his last sermon. And he preached that great sermon, Sinners in the, in the Hands of an Angry God. Most of you know that sermon. People fell out in the pews and started getting saved. And you would think his last sermon to that church would be a great sermon, but it was a terrible sermon. He told that crowd, you're full of contention and strife. He left because they couldn't stand him and he couldn't stand them. It was a mutual agreement. And he told them, he said, don't let the contention that has been in this church, don't let it carry on anymore and divide the two. That great preacher. We hear about Jonathan Edwards and the great man of God that he was and the great preacher. We don't hear that story, do we? But Jonathan Edwards wasn't serving people. He was serving the Lord. I want to ask you one important question as they get this song ready. If everybody in your household was to quit serving God, Right now, at this moment, what would you do? If everybody in your household was to drop their convictions, would you okay that? And would you change? A lot of people change in these days. See, those are crossroads. What would you do? What would you do, husband, if your wife quit? Wife, what would you do? Preacher, I, I don't even want to think. I, well, I don't think my, my husband would ever quit. Some of the best have. What would you do if that godly saint quits? Teenager, what would you do if everybody in the youth group goes a different way? What would you do? What would you do this morning? Crossroads. What are you going to do this morning? Hey, some of you here this morning, you say, Preacher, why, you, why would you preach it? I think the Holy Ghost gave me this sermon yesterday for this reason. We're starting a new year. Take a good look around. And I'm not talking about people that's homesick. Think about people that used to sit in these pews. They're not even in church today. Or they go on occasion. And my mind goes down through the years of person after person after person. They once sat where you and I are at this morning. But somewheres, 
they came to a crossroads in life. And rather than the power of the Spirit, the power of the Scriptures guiding them, the pleasure of service, they fell prey. What about you this morning? That little thing that the, that the Holy Spirit's put His finger on right now. I'll tell you what that is. I'll tell you what that is. No matter what it, what it is to you right now, I'll tell you what it really is. It's a crossroads. It's a crossroads. And you have to deal with that. Or that will deal with you one day as we stand. Our heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If you need to come to this altar, standing at the crossroads of life, are you there this morning? If you are, let God help you.